for your breakthrough. Praise like you're ready for your breakthrough. Worship like you're ready for your breakthrough. Somebody shout like you're ready for your breakthrough. Rejoice like you're ready. Before you're seated, high five your neighbor. Tell them my breakthrough is coming. Tell somebody else. Tell them my breakthrough is coming. My breakthrough is coming. I said my breakthrough is coming. My breakthrough is coming. My praise says my breakthrough is coming. My worship says my breakthrough is coming. My breakthrough is coming. My breakthrough is coming. My breakthrough is coming. Oh, just lift up your hands. Just before you're seated, you lift up your hands. We welcome all of our audience around the world watching us live on our various social media platforms with your hands raised high. Lord, we're asking you to be you. Lord, in this house, we don't want to censor you, quench, grieve, impede, obstruct, hinder. We don't want to get in your way. Matter of fact, we're asking you to be you. Show up. What we may deem as an interruption, disrupt this place. Disrupt us with your grace, with your gift and your glory. We promise we will give you and only you all of the honor, all of the glory. And all of the praise forevermore. If Jesus is Lord in your life, give him the kind of praise that lets him know. All hail King Jesus. You may be seated. Touch your neighbor and tell him summer, summer, summer. Officially, is not even here yet, but yeah. We've been covering in the subject matter since Easter Sunday. We've been preaching on what took place. First of all, behind closed doors, Jesus met with his disciples right after the resurrection behind closed doors. Then he met with them beyond closed doors. We preached about this this last Sunday. When Jesus met with his disciples, they were fishing. We talked about the net that will not break. But then something happened. It's what took place. Jesus is, boom, going up, the ascension. He looks at his tribe and gives them specific instructions. Instructions mean everything. If you follow the instructions, the outcome will be a favorable, deliverable, that cannot and will not be denied. But you have to follow the instructions precisely as written. You can't deviate. One of the reasons why I can't stand Ikea. You think I'm making that up? My wife could attest. I shopped from Ikea once. I tried to put that thing together. Man, I thought I was a studied guide. You know, X number went to study the following. I thought I had it. Couldn't do it. That thing fell apart. <laughs> At that moment, I said, I do not have the anointing to follow these instructions. One by one by one by one. Acts chapter 1. 
These instructions speak to us. This is what Jesus told his tribe, his disciples. Acts chapter 1, verse 2. Just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. He had chosen by what? Even in your selection process, you must be filled with the Spirit. He chose people not because they were nice to him. He chose people not because they were around him. They were chosen by the Holy Spirit. When you select who are those that are part of your inner circle, who are the people you're going to listen to, who are the people you're going to pass your legacy to, who are those you're going to promote, who are those that you're going to in charge, make sure that you listen to the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. After the sufferings of the cross, Jesus appeared alive so many times to his disciples. Over a 40-day period, Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truth of God's kingdom realm. And he shared meals with them. Jesus ate with them. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know the true colors of someone that you're looking to promote or include in your team, eat with them. Do you know how many Fortune 500 company CEOs meet with potential executive management team members over dinner? A dinner will reveal more about a person than a two-hour interview. It's the last chicken wing in the table. If you've been there, raise your hand. It's the last one. The last one. As a CEO, I would bring people in and I would leave that chicken wing there to look at the person who would eat it about asking first. The, the polity is the following. If it's the last thing they are in the table and it's a shareable sort of item, you're supposed to ask, does anyone want that? But then there are people that don't ask. Am I preaching to somebody here? I may be preaching to you. Pastor Sam, what if I'm starving? You're supposed to ask. What if I haven't eaten for 92 years? You're supposed to ask. You're supposed to ask, does anyone want it? Because what you learn from a meal is if that person grabs that chicken wing without asking, that person is a narcissist. They are egocentric. They care about themselves. Push comes to shove. Something happens in the company. That person's going to protect their own before they actually do their job in protecting you. So it's called the chicken wing theory, baby. If they don't ask permission, you don't want them on your team. Are you with me right now? So Jesus... Jesus shared a meal with them. It wouldn't be Applebee's because something happened with an apple. All right, go back to the story here. <laughs> Jesus instructed them, here it is. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift. I want to speak to you today on the subject matter. The gift is worth the wait. Touch your neighbor, the one that you're starting to like, and tell them the gift is worth the wait. Tell your other neighbor, the one you know ate the chicken wing. <laughs> tell your chicken wing neighbor, tell your chicken wing neighbor, the gift is worth the wait. Here's the first point. First thing he tells them is, don't leave Jerusalem. I want you to hear me. Don't leave Jerusalem. Each and every one of us have a Jerusalem. It would have been logical for them to have departed from Jerusalem. They, why would Jesus have to tell them, don't leave Jerusalem? Because they were inclined to do what? Why would they leave Jerusalem? Why? 
Because that's the place it makes sense after the crucifixion of their master to leave. Why would they leave? Because if Jesus was crucified, they would be what? They would be next. And that wouldn't be a nice application of you are next. <laughs> what? Little promotion there. It's just subliminal. It just... It makes sense after the empty tomb, by the way, for them to leave Jerusalem. Because some of the people, when they saw the empty tomb empty, that it was divinely done, they actually started to say, the only way to scapegoat this would be to say the disciples stole the body. So to tell to leave would have been the good thing because some of the rumors that spread around on the Facebook of that time would be what? That the disciples stole the body. So it really would have been a logical thing for them to have left. But Jesus said, don't leave. Why would he say don't leave? He told them, don't leave Jerusalem, I'm going to send you the gift. The gift is worth waiting for. But why couldn't the gift arrive in Bethany, in Nazareth? Like if it's the same Holy Spirit is going to come down, does the Holy Spirit care if you live in Stockton, Lodi, or El Grove? I mean, come on, get serious. I don't have to be in Jerusalem, I could be anywhere. And the Holy Spirit will come down, right? Yeah, got news for you. Not in this prophetic outcome, because location does matter. Places matter. Not every place is blessed. Let, let me, not every atmosphere facilitates the glory. Where you are impacts how you are. Where you are, who, where you are, who, and who you are determine how you are. Have you ever driven into a city or flown into a city, in my case, where you felt the atmosphere was like repressive or oppressive? Have you ever driven to a city where you felt like spiritual warfare? If you've been there, raise your hand. Have you ever been to a neighborhood where you felt like there's something here that's just spiritually not lined up with God's will? I don't want to be super mystical or, or weird here, but there is, there are places, geographically speaking, that are bound. There are nations that are bound. And, and I don't want to mention that because we have an international audience. I've been to, I was, I went to a place where I flew into a place, my wife and I, well, we flew over. It's a complicated story. The fact of the matter is, I, I was going to a place where, how can I put this? It's full of witchcraft. And, and I mean literally witchcraft, Satan worshiping, sacrifice, uh, interesting stuff that you would think would not exist in the 21st century, but it does. And the moment you flew in there, you felt darkness. And you felt bondage. And you felt diabolical oppression. Not every single place is saturated with the Shekinah glory of the living God. But, but, but here it is, here it is, the moment you go in there, the moment you drive in or you fly in, I want you to know there's an expectation that that atmosphere has to shift. I'm going to say that one more time. The moment you walk in there, the atmosphere doesn't define you. You define the atmosphere because what you carry is always greater than what's in front of you. Because the God inside of you is always more powerful than the devil outside of you. Because your anointing is greater than your atmosphere. Are you ready for me? And the anointing destroys the yoke. It destroys the bondage. So whenever you step into a city, we're not mentioning any names. When you step into a city or into a nation or into a neighborhood, I'm, I'm, this is going to sound ridiculous to some, in the spiritual realm, the best way to, I mean, 21st century modern technological contextualization would be, in the spiritual realm, the demons send a group mass text message. 
and say, look out for this guy. Look out for that girl. And, and they, they say, pack up your bags. Why? Guess who's coming in? And, and they're not coming in in their name. They're not even coming in in the name of new season or in the name of their ministry. They're coming in in the name that is above every other name. They're coming in in the name. Jerusalem was not just any city. Jerusalem was the place of the prophetic destiny. It was the city that David conquered. Oh, let me put this in perspective. Second Samuel 5, 6. It wasn't just any place. That's why they had to wait there. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David, saying this, you're never going to get in here. Even the blind and the lame can keep you out. Jerusalem wasn't just any city. It was the prophetic city that David, ooh, David, ooh, David, that David conquered. Son of David, have mercy upon me. That David conquered, that inevitably would be the centerpiece of the ministry of Jesus. To this day, that city is a city that is blessed and called by God. To this day, that city has prophetic destiny. That's why in the new reality, there will be a new what? It doesn't say new New York, new L.A., new Atlanta, new El Grove, new Sacramento, new Granite Bay. It will be a new what? Because when God says, that's my city, that's my destiny, that's my place, it won't last for a day, it won't last for a year, it won't last for a century, it will last forevermore throughout eternity. Watch this. Why do they have to wait in Jerusalem? Because it was the prophetic city of destiny. Because even the people that used to live there said, you're never going to come in. Hey, David, you're not coming in. And even the blind and the lame can stop you from coming in. I love this story. The blind and the, they talked to David. You're not coming in here. Nah, 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 nah. And the blind and the lame, even they can stop you. Do your biblical due diligence and your Google. Don't take my word for it. I went to Israel. I sat down. I met with an archaeologist in the city of David. Dr. Nick Garza did the same. We sat down. I sat, met with the man and a couple of other pastors that were with me. And the archaeologist looked at us and said, here, look this up. There are only, this is not a Christian archaeologist. It was a Jewish archaeologist. And said, in, in, in the Bible, talking about Jesus, a historical figure in their perspective, he said, well, this is, this is interesting. He said, David, remember when they told David this, the blind and the lame, said, gentlemen, do you realize out of the 30 plus miracles documented in your New Testament, he said, do you realize that there's only two miracles that actually took place within the walls of Jerusalem proper. The other ones happened around Jerusalem, but there's only two that happened inside Jerusalem. The other 30 plus happened around, only two happened inside. So of course, Sam asked, what two? He says, only two, the blind and the lame. Oh, you missed it. In John chapter 5, he heals the lame man in Jerusalem. In John chapter 8, he gives sight to the blind man in Jerusalem. The Jebusite said, even the blind and the lame can keep you out. I want you to know that Jesus took care of everything the enemy said would stop you. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus took care of everything the enemy said would stop you. I'm going to say that one more time. When Jesus died on the cross, when he shed his blood, when he resurrected on the third day, Jesus Christ of Nazareth took care of everything.
everything the enemy said would stop you. If you believe that nothing could stop you, not because you are you, but because Jesus already took care of everything. I said everything. Everything the enemy said would stop your family, Jesus took care of it. Everything the enemy said would stop your destiny, Jesus took care of it. Everything the enemy said would stop your dream, Jesus took care of it. If you believe that Jesus already, not that he will take care, that he already took care of everything. If you believe Jesus already took care of everything the enemy said would stop you, give him the kind of praise that lets him know I dare you to lift up your hands and say everything. Now say it like you believe it. Say Jesus took care of everything. Speak that word to yourself. Say Jesus took care of everything. Tell that, share that word of your neighbor. Tell him Jesus took care of everything. So what are you worrying about? What are you anxious about? What are you concerned about? What are you sweating about? What are you, what are you not sleeping about? Put a shout on your lip and a praise in your heart. Jesus took care of everything. Hashtag no worries. No worries. He took care of everything that can impede you from living a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life. He took care of everything that would impede you and your children and your children's children from living a new, eternal, and abundant life. So why would you leave the place that God conquered so you can possess? Why would you leave the place that God cleared so you can build? So don't leave Jerusalem. Verse 8. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And through Judea and the distant provinces. Don't leave Jerusalem. Raise your right hand. Speak to yourself. Say, I will not leave Jerusalem. Jerusalem is your place of destiny. Do you realize the devil's objective is to prompt you to jump ship? To abandon your place of destiny. I've seen too many people, I've seen too many people leave their place of destiny. I kid you not. I've seen people that, and God is my witness, I've seen people that have left Jerusalem, their Jerusalem, have come back 20 years and said, Pastor Sam, I wish I would have listened to that message. I left my Jerusalem. I left my place of destiny, and I've paid the piper for it. I wish I would have adhered to it. Don't, the admonishment, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not abandon your place of destiny. And, and I want you to know, people leave for various reasons. I'm going to get to the next point. They leave because of emotional momentum. Means they're driven by their emotions. That's emotional momentum. They leave by experiential motivation. Experiential motivation means they're looking for a different experience. I'm looking for a new thing. And, I, and that's why I'm looking for a new thing. You're married for 20 years. You leave your wife who was faithful to you because you're looking for a new thing. And you're looking for a new experience. And it's expert experiential motivation yeah you're looking for a new thing i got a new thing for you come here sunshine i'm gonna lay hands on you boy i'm gonna take out a bottle of oil and pray for you real hard it's it's emotionalism it's it's that, that experiential seeking and it's ego all the ease it's emotion experience and ego ego is i'm leaving because i want to because i can because i'm a narcissist and it's all about me. All praise and glory be to me. Yeah. Good luck with that. Call me five years from now. 
They leave because of fear and failure and pain. They leave destiny. Don't leave Jerusalem because the gift is worth waiting for. Number two is, but wait. What's coming your way is worth it. I have to ask a question. I want to be transparent here. Here in all of our audience online. If you're online, you could just talk to me right now on my, on right there on the social media platforms. How many here struggle with waiting? Let's do practical stuff. We're not even going to go like super metaphysical cosmic. Let's go tier one. How many have a hard time waiting in line for anything? Starbucks, supermarket, whatever it may be. All right. How many, you're, you're stuck in traffic on the five, on the 99, and the first minute you tolerate it because you're a born-again believer, by the 10th minute, you forgot you were a Christian. How many have a hard time waiting? Just raise your hand. How many lose it after a certain amount of time? Be honest. Like, you start losing it. Like, you go like, I can't do this. If you've been there, raise your hand. Let me see your hands. All the lights. How many have, be honest. How many have been to a place where you were waiting for a while, but you couldn't wait? So even though you already spent 10, 15 minutes, whatever it may be, you left the line. You leave the line. You abandon, even though you spent 10, you already invested 10 minutes. You're saying, no way, I'm not doing it. How many have been to a place where you couldn't wait any longer? You went, no way, I'm not doing this. All the no way, I'm not doing this, people. Raise your hand. Be honest. The blood forgives you. Where are you? Let me see your hands. All right. Waiting, right? Waiting. So let me ask a question, real question. If you've ever been to Disneyland or Universal, raise your hand. Well, here comes my subsequent question. How many of you are aware that you paid to wait? You paid a good chunk of change, knowing very well you were going to wait. There are rides, they even warn you, some of these rides, one hour, one and a half hours, two hours, and you paid, you paid a good chunk of change. You paid to wait. You actually paid to wait. You paid someone else money so you can wait. I'm going to give you $120 so I can take an hour and a half of my life and wait in line behind a bunch of sweaty people. But I'm going to wait. You know why you wait? Because in your mind, you think that that ride is worth it. All the parents, the memories with your children... That memory is worth it. So you're willing to wait one and a half hours because of it. It's ironic how people are willing to pay to wait, but they're not willing to wait for something that Jesus already paid for. I'm, a, I'm about to preach here hard in about a second. Some people are willing to pay to wait, but you're not willing to wait for something that he already paid for. What the gift that I'm talking about is not some time with a mouse or a duck. What I'm talking about is you waiting for the greatest gift of all. This gift does not come via the conduit of Amazon Prime. We're talking about the greatest gift other than salvation delivered in the history of all of the universe when Jesus sent 
the Holy Spirit. There is no greater gift other than salvation than the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There is no greater gift than the Spirit of Christ inhabiting your life. He said, wait, wait. What I'm sending your way is about to change you forevermore. Jesus said, wait. You've been walking with me for three and a half years. Now I'm going to live in you for the rest of your life. The gift is worth the wait. The gift is worth the wait. How many are grateful for the Holy Spirit of Almighty God? How many are know that? How many know that the gift is worth the wait? Lift up your hands. Hey, if you wait, what I'm sending your way will change you. But you have to be willing to wait in a place that you don't want to even be at because you think they're going to come after you and all that. No. Why don't you just stay in Jerusalem? Don't leave. Don't go where you want to go. And don't do what you want to do. There's a lot of don'ts. But if you adhere to the don't, you're going to be, you're going to be filled, not touched. Some people come to church for a touch. When God's not looking to touch them, he's looking to fill them and transform them. I'm not looking for a one-night stand. I'm not looking to hook up. I'm looking for an eternal relationship. I'm about to fill you with me. That's crazy. If you wait, the same spirit that raised me from the dead will live inside of you. If you wait, if you wait, my God, it's so difficult to wait. It's so difficult to wait because it's not like Jesus said, I'm going to give you the exact number of days. It could have been for 30 years. He never said, on this day, at this time. Because they could have bypassed the, the bureaucracy. They could have done whatever they want. They could have left Jerusalem, come back on that day. Because some people just want to do their own thing until they think it's the time. You got this? So he didn't tell him. He could have, but he didn't. He said, just wait. So what day is it? I ain't going to tell you. Just wait. What hour? I'm not going to tell you that either. Makes it too easy. Just wait. Show me you can wait. Waiting is hard. Waiting is difficult. Waiting is a challenge. Waiting tests our patience. Waiting puts our faith on trial. Not everybody waits. Waiting requires trust. When you trust the word, you wait. When you believe in the promise, you wait. When you know that, you know that God never lies, you wait. Not everybody waits. Again, I've seen people that couldn't wait. Not everyone decides to wait. But Isaiah says, those that wait. Those that wait, those that wait upon the Lord. Anybody here would know what it is to wait upon the Lord? Those, any waiters in the house, anybody know what to really wait? Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run 
and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Woo! Are you getting this right now? There are blessings that are germane. There are blessings that are specific only to those that wait. The Bible says there are certain blessings that are connected to those that are willing to wait. The waiters. Hence the term waiter. Why is he called or she called a waiter? Because they do what? They wait on you. So the waiters. The waiters. There are, the Bible says there are promises only for those that wait. That if you're not a waiter, you'll never get these promises. You'll never get these blessings. What are the blessings? Number one, here it is. If you wait, you have renewable strength. Your strength will be renewed. So I'm speaking to every tired person here, exhausted by life, by the actions of others, your own self-inflicted actions, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm going to speak to you now in Jesus' name. Your strength is about to be renewed because you're waiting and the gift is worth the wait. Number two, you will mount up with wings as eagles. And by the way, don't look at me and say eagles fly. Wikipedia that. Eagles don't fly. Eagles soar. The other birds fly. You're not a bird. That the Bible doesn't say you're going to mount up with wings as a bird. No, 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 no. The Bible says you will mount up with wings like eagles. I don't know about you, but I want you to get ready to soar above the clouds, soar above the problems, soar above the melees, soar above the chaos. Are there any eagles in the house here today? If you're ready to soar, lift up your hands. That's what the Bible, it's not my doing. I'm just, I'm just sharing the word. The Bible says that if you wait, he'll give you, metaphorically, prophetically speaking, he'll give you wings as eagles. You will soar. You, you just won't fly. You're going to soar above the drama, above the heartache. You're going to soar. Just lift up your hands. Lift up those wings. That's just the word of the Lord. Anybody ready to soar? Any, anybody ready to go, not just to fly, but ready to soar, soar? How many are tired of the clouds and you're ready to soar? How many are tired of the storms and you're ready to soar? How many are tired of the pain and you're ready to soar? Lift up your wings right now. Spirit of God right now is empowering you. He's mounting you up. He's giving you wings as eagles. He's taking you to a higher place because you were willing to wait. You will, you will run, which means acceleration, and not grow weary, which means you will not get exhausted. You will walk, which means mobility, which is the opposite of stagnation and complacency. And not faint, which is fancy words for you will not fail. But wait, there's more. There's actually a, a couple more promises. Let me give it to you. Psalm 37, 34, from the Word of God. Those that wait, if you wait, He will lift you up. He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. You missed it. When you wait, God gives you an inheritance. No, I know you missed it right now. When you wait, he gives you a piece of land. When you wait, he gives you an inheritance. You're not getting this. When you wait, he gives you something other people will not get. When you wait, you inherit the promise. You inherit the land. The Bible says, the psalmist said, my inheritance is not for my sake. The psalmist said, my inheritance is for the sake of my children and my children and my children's children. I know you missed it, but you're about to get it. If the Lord tarries 30, 40, 50, 70 years from now, your great, great grandchildren are going to be occupying a promise. They're going to be spiritually blessed, physically blessed, financially blessed. And when they're looking, when they're in their family reunion going, how did we end up so blessed? 
they're going to say, aha, my daddy's daddy, my mama's mama, they were willing to wait upon the Lord because because they waited. Because they waited, we are now blessed. Lift up your hands. If you believe that because you are able to wait, because of your obedience in waiting, your children will inherit blessings. If you believe that, that's what the Bible says, raise your hand. If you believe that for your children and your children's children, raise both hands. No, no, I'm preaching to somebody now. Your children and your children's children will inherit a spiritual legacy, which is faith through Christ, where they know that Christ is the only way, where salvation, deliverance, and healing comes only through Christ. They're going to inherit a spiritual blessing, a spiritual inheritance, but also financial, also personal. That's what the Bible talks about, abundant life, John 10, 10. If you really believe that, lift up your hands. Your children will not inherit your failures. Your children will not inherit the curses. Your children will not inherit your sins. I'm preaching to somebody. Your children will not inherit the demons that held you down and the problems that held you back. Your children will inherit, oh, will inherit blessings and overflow. Your children will inherit a legacy of faith where Christ is the center of it all. If this is for you, lift up both hands really high. Stand with me. Those that are not standing, we're done. There are promises and blessings exclusively for those that are willing to wait. What are you waiting for? They ask you that question. You just need to tell them, in Christ, something awesome is coming my way. <laughs> um, as you stand with me, there's one more promise that's mentioned in Psalm 37. When you wait, you will witness the enemies of your destiny defeated. Psalm 37, 34. And by the way, if you think that's a human being, then you missed it. You gotta stop, be careful. Don't call other people your enemies. Our enemies are not physical people. People, people could be used, but they're not physical people. If you... That's nominal thinking. It's immature thinking. Our enemies are spiritual powers and principalities. Our powers of darkness. Are you with me right now? It's addiction and bondage. It's idolatry and hatred and greed. It's pride. Yeah. It's selfishness. Yeah. They waited. The gift is worth waiting for. I have to finish. We'll finish next week. But. True story. About 500 started to wait. Yeah. 380 couldn't wait anymore. Did you know that? So more than half said, we're going to wait till we get this. We're going to wait till we get it. They did the whole thing. Yeah, signed on, made a pledge, covenant, shook the pastor's hands and all of that. Only 120 stuck around. 380 said, I can't wait any longer because I don't know when. I have other things to do. There's a festival in Bethany 
Can't wait here in Jerusalem. 120 stuck around. And then suddenly, then suddenly, the gift is coming. Actually, the gift already arrived. God sent his Holy Spirit. So I want you to get ready. What about tell you that if you're in this auditorium or watching right now, what about tell you that that Holy Spirit gift, the promise of the Father, that gift, what about tell you that God's about to fill your life in such a way afresh with the Holy Spirit that your life will never be the same again? What if I tell you you're about to have Holy Spirit encounters? Can I make this prayer respectfully with, I love my church, I love you, and I respect you. I don't only love, but respect. I'm going to make this prayer, it's going to make some of you feel uncomfortable. Lord, interrupt their sleep. And I don't mean for them not to sleep. In fact, when you do this, they're going to actually wake up more refreshed than if they slept eight, nine hours. I'm asking you to interrupt their dreams. Let this week be a Holy Ghost interruption week. Interrupt our dreams. Speak to us while we sleep. How about this? When we're driving to work, fill our cars with your glory. Woo! Show up, oh God. Show up, show up. That wherever we go, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, fill us indeed. If you believe that, raise your hands. The gift. The gift is worth the wait. So I want you to look at me. Holy Spirit people, when you get the gift, Holy Spirit people pray. Holy Spirit people forgive. Holy Spirit people love. And not just love our friends, we love our enemies. Holy Spirit people, we pray differently. We act differently. We believe differently. Are you with me right now? Listen, when we're holy, a Holy Spirit church, we know how to give advice. We know how to counsel people and guide them, right? But a Holy Spirit church is not afraid to go old school. And I don't care if you call it old school. Some people need advice. Some need guidance. Some need some counsel. But some people need some old-fashioned rebuking in the name of Jesus. Some people don't need to come up here for me to tell them, you know, your beautiful is going to be all right tomorrow morning. That's good. We do that. But sometimes some people come up here. What they need to hear is a Holy Ghost church that says, honey, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to that which has you bound. I love you. But hold on for a second. Devil, let go of her in the name of Jesus. I command you by the power of God. Let go of her in the name of Jesus. I'm tired. I'm going to be honest. I'm tired of being so modern and so sophisticated. And I'm tired of being threatened that if we do that, we're never going to attract the next generation. That's why the next generation is so bound. Because we're not calling out by name. We're calling out by name. It's not a problem. It's a principality. And the only way that thing is coming out is by the authority in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout like you believe that and pray. hates Holy Ghost people. The devil can't stand people with the gift. 
I'm done. Lift up your hands. Because people with the gift have power. Not my word. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. People with the gift are free people. 2 Corinthians 3.17 For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Anyone here 38, between the ages of 20 and 38, raise your hands. You, 20 to 38, you millennial generation, if you're 20 and under, you're Z. You know what I'm afraid of? This is a joke, but I thought about it last week. What happens after generation Z? No more letters. Like, what do we step into? Roman numerals? What do we do? That's just... That 20 to 38-year-old generation, I'm going to pray for you if you want. You don't have to, but when I dismiss you, I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to tell you why. Because the people with the gift, it says, and your children will prophesy. The millennial generation in the name of Jesus will be the most prophetic generation in world history. No, I mean that. That's why the devil hates your guts. You've been under assault. The suicide rate in that generation is higher than any other generation in American history. That's not me. That's the Wall Street Journal from last December. So it's, it's the crazy stuff. You're under assault. Why does the enemy hate the millennial generation so much? Because you will prophesy. To prophesy is not to do a weird thing. It's to speak the word and the will of God. And shift a destiny and an outcome. You will speak truth to power. I'm going to lay hands on you if you want. I'm going to be here just for that generation. Because God told me to activate that generation. That ge You're about to prophesy in the workplace, in your business. I sense glory. And you, by the way, you don't have to be weird about it. You know what I mean by weird, right? You don't have to be weird. Evie, my daughter, she's, not, she's outside with the Spanish church. And Evie, yesterday you were with me. We went to that Starbucks next to Evie's house. And the Holy Spirit, the late, the girl, I never met the girl before, the barista. We were in the drive-thru. And the girl, we're drive-thru, we're just getting, you know, and the Holy Spirit filled me about the girl in the, in, in the drive-thru, about her state and her condition. And all, then my, my wife and my daughter saw me, and they, I just started praying in the name of Jesus. So I prayed, and then they together came together and said, amen. And my, my point to you is, you don't have to be strange about it, but speak life into somebody. You don't, you don't have to get religious about it. Don't go like, rah, 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 rah. don't, don't. If they think you have an epileptic attack, there's no need for that. Just, just seriously, don't go, don't, there's no need for that. Just go somewhere and speak live. Speak to that barista, speak to that person and tell them, hey, I don't know you from Adam, but I just, God has great plans for you. You drop that word, Holy Spirit, on you. That word will never leave her for the rest of the day or the week or the month. To speak a word. You follow what I'm saying? We're over time. I get it. Pastor Nate will get upset with me because we're over time. But I want to take the rails off. I think sometimes we care more about what people think than what God says. I want God to show up. Because the gift is worth the wait.
Father, seal this word in every heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Even in yours truly, God, I'm just a messenger. I deliver the pizza. I don't make it. I thank you that our children and our children's children will inherit something and they're going to look back and say, we inherit this. We inherited this because our forefathers and foremothers were willing to wait. Because they wait. Because of their waiting upon the Lord, we now have this. So thank you, Lord. Because the gift is worth the wait. In Jesus' name. If you receive it for you and your family, give God one more clap up. Hey, everyone. You just heard the Word of God preached. Now, I want you to hear me. You have an opportunity right now to sow into kingdom outreach. What does it mean? Your giving is a demonstration that you believe God for His promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. All of God's promises are yes and amen. When you give, you're saying, I believe God for His promises. I want you to give right now. I want you to sow into this ministry. This ministry works above reproach. We are committed to impeccable integrity and accountability. Matter of fact, the funds that come into this ministry, you know where they go to? Getting the gospel message preached around the world. So how about this? Through your giving, people will not end up in hell. Can you believe that? What a greater return on investment. That through your giving, people will be saved, delivered, healed, set free, and discipled in the name and for the glory of Christ. Gift right now. The information right now is on the screen. Gift right now. Gift through PushPay. Together, through our giving, we could do nothing less than change the world.